And um, in order to achieve that merit, Hirbolahem Torah Mitzvahs, he multiplied Hirbolahem Torah Mitzvahs to fulfill. He even gave them mitzvahs that come naturally to people, such as the mitzvahs not to eat blood or insects and make it easier to earn reward, according to the Tiferes Yisrael. Now, that last Mishnah has to be taken in context with the previous Mishnah in order to make sense of it. We took it out of context and we append it to the end of these Masechtas. It's a nice way of ending the Masechta. Now, the previous Mishnah had said, Kol chayove krisa sheloku nifteru al krisoson. Anything, any mitzvah, remember this is the Mishnah in Makkus, Malkus, giving the th- 39 lashes. Now the Mishnah ends that those sins that the Torah prescribes the punishment of chorus, meaning cutting off the heavenly punishment in which a person dies before his time, usually before the age of 60, also loss of share in the world to come, according to Ramban. Anyone who is chayev chorus, sheloku, who were then given malchus for that same transgression, nifteru yidei krisosen, they become exempt from the chorus. You can't, it's not double jeopardy. You can't get malchus and then get chorus as well. Once they're given malchus, the heavenly court forgives their sin and they do not receive malchus. The Bartanura adds as long as they do tshuva, but that's the rav. But the, 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 the mission itself, it's then they can't be given twice. Shenema v'nikla achricholeinecha, as it says in Devarim 25, that he shall hit him 40 times. Kishelaka why does it say your brother? Just say he should be whacked. Why your brother? So that's the drush. The moment the nikla, the moment he's been whacked and getting his malchus, he is like your brother. Well, if he's like your brother, that means your brother is sin free, so you're sin free. And therefore, you are free of any further punishment from Malchus. Very nice. That's the first Mishnah. Next, it carries on. The mission is now going to contrast the reward for doing mitzvahs with the punishment of Chorus. Omar Abchananya ben Gamliel. Ma im achas Now, if a person commits a single sin, punishment by Chorus, punishable by Chorus, God takes his life as a punishment for the sin. So the flip is also true. Someone who does a mitzvah, his reward is what? Not the taking of his life, but... He is given life, the meaning the reward for the mitzvah is always and must always be greater than the punishment for the sin. So if a person can lose his life as the result of a sin, surely he can be given life as the result of a mitzvah. Very nice. Next, Rabbi Shimon Omer. Mimkomo hu lomad. The lesson is learned from its place, meaning the verse in the Torah that discusses the punishment of Chorus is where we learn the reward. Shenema, it says in Leviticus 18.29, The people who commit the sins of forbidden relationships and sexual sins will receive Chorus. But the Omer, earlier in verse 5, it says, 
Keep my statutes and my laws, which a person shall do, by which he shall live. So right there, Rip Shimon says, I don't have to go to any philosophy. I don't have to use Kalvachomer, right? You're using your rational mind for that. I, I have a better source. I have it in the Posik itself. Meaning, all the people who committed the sins of sexual infidelity, they shall be the nichrasu. They shall be cut off with chorus. But then earlier it said, that a person, while a person who transgresses these sins is given chorus, a person who keeps these laws is rewarded by life. Again, by which he shall live, here is interpreting is he gets life for keeping the mitzvah. And the verse mentions laws which a person shall do. And it goes on to discuss the sins of forbidden relationships, which he shouldn't do. By referring to the prohibitions as laws which a person shall do, the Torah implies that by keeping these prohibitions and avoiding sin, a person is considered to have done a mitzvah. Ha, kol Yoshev So from here, Rabbi Shimon says that a person who just sits still and doesn't commit a sin when he's tempted to do so, no sin lo sachar ka'oseh mitzvah. He's given the, the reward as if he did the mitzvah. Very nice. Meaning that he has an opportunity to commit an avera and he doesn't. He's given the reward. Now the last statement. Rabbi Shimon bar Rabbi Omer. Harehu Omer. The, po- the Posuk says in Devarim 12, don't drink the blood of an animal because the blood is the life. And then it adds, it will be good for you and your children after you. So the Torah is promising a reward to someone who does not eat blood. If the blood from a person as a natural disgust, and nevertheless, if he refrains from eating it, even though it's disgusting to him, he refrains from it nevertheless, and he receives a ward. But then it comes to reason that when it comes to sins of stealing and forbidden relationships, when a person naturally desires and longs for, someone who refrains from them, Allah has come of a kama. How much more Shayiske he'll merit Lo Uladorosov Adsokolodorus. These three Mishnayos come before the final Mishnah of Ribchananya Ben Akasha Oimerotza Kodashbarkulasakas Israel. So it has to be taken in context. Meaning even though it's not just out of blue that Ribchananya Ben Akasha says a God wants to be Mazake Yisrael, and therefore Hirbolahem Torah Mitzvahs. What it does is it comes after these three Mishnayos that talk about the reward of doing mitzvahs versus the punishment of Chorus and the citation of that in the Torah, and about the reward for avoiding sin. So it has to be taken in context of that. And that cycle of those homilies of the benefits of commandments and their ability to give life is based on the three homilies before Reb Hananiah ben Akasha. Reb Hananiah ben Gamliel's metaphysical explanation of the efficacy of lashes to save people from the Kores punishment executed by heaven. And the same rabbi noting that in doing one sin that can cause life all the more so 
one mitzvah can give life. And then Rabbi Shimon's grounding in the passage of Chorus. And then the, the last Kalvachom, the a fortiori argument of Rabbi Hananya ben Gamliel, which a man shall do and live by them. So I, I wanted to bring to you three Hasidic masters who play off this very famous, because every time we want to say Kaddish, <laughs> I don't know if you realize when we've learned the Morinayim and the rabbi wants to give Yehuda and me the opportunity to say Kaddish, he doesn't just stop with the Morinayim, he wants to cite a Mishnah to trigger the Kaddish. That's what he wants to do. So by saying Rab Hananiah ben Akasha Omer, what he has done is allowing the citation of a Mishnah, which then means that I'm allowing you to say Kaddish to Rabbanan. Okay. And then we tra- we say our Kaddish. So this is not only a piece of Mishnah, and it's not only a trigger to say Kaddish, but it is also a kind of ritualized statement. And in Chabad, you know, we say so many Kaddishes. <laughs> And they just trot it out. And then it triggers the Kaddish Rabbonon. So let's just look a little bit deeper. What does it mean? Like the Rabboni Shalom desired to make Israel lezakot. So there are three explanations of the word lezakot. One is to make it worthy. The other one is to merit. So worthy is something that I become through my good deeds. Merit means I earn the reward through the good deeds. But then there is this uh, legal concept of zaka. Zaka could mean justify. Tzuchus. So in a court of law, you can be guilty, chayav, or zikui. There could be a, a, a command to give him, get him off, lizchot, to justify. So, zechus has a multivalent term in rabbinic literature. It's at the one at the same time, it's good deeds and it's reward, and the final reckoning that leads to being justified in court. So, I want to pull out those two meanings, three meanings, through the use of three Hasidic masters. And the first one is the Kedushas Levi, Reb Levi Yitzchak Miberdichev, who comments on... And he comments on the citation of the verse from Isaiah 42. What's the proof that he wants to be Mazake Yisrael by giving them Torah? The Lord desires his servants' Sidko, his vindication. Ah, that's the zikui. Rosh HaKadosh comes from the verse in Isaiah 42. Remember, there's three sections of Isaiah. So this is the first one is doom and gloom, and this is the nechama. Here, lezakos comes from that citation, that proof text. The Lord desires that his servant gets vindicated. Leman Sidko Tzedek, so that he may magnify and glorify his teaching. So comes along the Kedushas Levi and says, let me explain that verse to make his teaching great and glorious. 
He says, we now can understand the Mishnah in Makos 23, when Rab Hananya ben Akashia attributes the many commandments God gave us, right? And now the Kedushas Levi is going to be Medayek on Torah or Mitzvahs. It could have just said, Lefikach, Hirvolehem, Mitzvahs. What's this business of Torah Mitzvahs? If I want to be Mazaka and I want to get my brownie points, just do Mitzvahs. What is the what is the difference then between Torah and Mitzvahs? Obviously, they're separate and they're different. And what are they teaching? We need to analyze what Rebbe meant when he appears to have distinguished between Torah and Mitzvahs. Usually, we use the term interchangeably, but the Kedusha Slavi is going to split between the two. Apparently, you must differentiate between Torah and Mitzvahs. Now, Mitzvahs can be understood at two levels, says the Kedusha Slavi. There are Mitzvahs of which one does that doesn't interfere with a personal's natural urges. We had seen that, of course, in the Mishnah before in Marcus. No one wants to eat blood or insects. And yet, the fact that we don't eat it, we still get reward. So the Kedusha Slavi adds to that. There are commandments of performance of which doesn't interfere with a person's natural physical urges. It doesn't interfere with a person's natural urges, whether he wears a prayer shawl, a talis, or whether he observes commandment to put on tefillin every morning, or whether he does neither. Performing these commandments are strictly between him and his creator, and there's no interference due to other demands on the wearer by his body. Meaning, it's a very interesting chiddush about Tame mitzvahs. So there are some mitzvahs that don't interfere with my bodily functions, meaning I don't have an anathema. Uh, I have an anathema to eating insects and bloods, and I get reward for that. But I'm also doing mitzvahs that I don't have an... So I put on a talis and I put on tefillin and wrap it round. That doesn't interfere with anything in my body. My body doesn't react in a negative way to that. There are commandments such as eating shalashudas, Shabbos meals, having relations with your wife on Friday night, performance of which the demands of the body may present obstacles. For instance, a Jew can wear a prayer shawl, put on phylacteries, and it's clear that he does so only because the Torah has commanded it. But eating meals on Shabbos or having relations, even though it's a commandment, would also be carried out if there were no commandments. So who is to say that the performing of the commandment is a proof of one's piety? Do you see what he's trying to say? If I put on talus and tefillin, my body has no desire for that. So putting it on, it makes no demands on my body. My body has no demands to put on talus and tefillin. So there I, that's the reward is obvious. But what about conjugal relations and eating on Shabbos, which is a mitzvah? How do I know... What is the litmus test that I'm doing it out of the motivation to fulfill my body's desire versus the motivation to please one's creator? It would have required, says the Gatushas Levi, superhuman discipline to observe these latter commandments exclusively because God told me to do that. So Rab Hananiah ben Akashi reminds us, that Rotsar Kadosh Baruch Hu Lezakos is Yisroel, the Zikui that's taking place, this is totally brilliant, 
the ziku that's taking place, the justification that's taking place, Laman Sidko Yagdil Toraviyadir, is the real meaning from the Posuk in 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 Isaiah. Adunai Chavetz Laman Sidko, he wants to vindicate the servant. What is God doing to us? To allow us to vindicate what? The physical desires that we might have contaminated the mitzvah with. Am I doing the mitzvah of Achila and Shabbos and relations with the wife because of the body or because of the Torah's command? By according the performance of the mitzvah that originates in the bodily desire and calling it mitzvah, God has therefore hirbolachem Torah mitzvahs. He has multiplied the opportunities when we can get spiritual credit. That's the zikui, the spiritual credit. He helps us, he helps us sublimate our physical desires to the level of making it a religiously important act. What Freud would call reification. I'm taking a bodily function and through some kind of ritual act, I'm making it spiritual. Not only the body derives satisfaction from the performance of those two mitzvahs, but also the soul. So that on account of the soul deriving satisfaction, the personality of the person involved in these activities gets more refined. And this is reflected in the quality of the visions granted to the souls of such people when they move to the celestial regions after shedding their bodies. So the Kedushas Levi has a whole theology of mitzvahs right here. Meaning, on one level, I can be a Buddhist and separate from the body. In that way, I can access the celestial regions by shedding my body. But he's saying that uh, Judaism is a reification. God is wanting to make Israel worthy to justify our physical acts of eating and drinking and sexuality. How? By being hirbolahem Torah mitzvahs, by multiplying the commandments, by making so many commandments that they include the bodily functions so that we can vindicate not just bean counting, saying Kriya Shema and putting on a talis and tefillin, because that doesn't really affect the body. The body has no desire for that. But even harnessing the body's desires into the world of spirituality, going along with the Hasidic notion of Avodah Shebegashmias, that the Avodah also takes place in the Gashmias activity. The second one I wanted to bring to your attention is the Sfas Emes, the Ger Rebbe. And the Ger Rebbe starts with a Midrash from Shmot Rabbah, He's talking about the the Betzalel making the Mishkan on the verse Vayakel, Moses in chapter 30, uh, chapter 48 of Exodus gathers the people and says, Behold, God has proclaimed by name Betzalel. And the Medrash says, to what may this be understood? The Holy One says in Isaiah 40, very close to our chapter 42, the Rabboni Shalom says, to whom can you liken me that I should be as equal? Meaning, el mi tadamyuni, dimyon, ve'eshver. Who can you do this to? Who can you, who can you compare me to? And so he says, well, the only thing I can compare you to is the universe. 
raise your eyes up on high and see who created this. So he, he is saying, Look your eyes heavenward, uru'u, and see, mi bora ele, hamotzi bimispatzva'am Who look at the galaxies? That's the only thing that you can even come close to comparing me to. Now comes along the Medrash, and the Medrash says, Boss of Adam in Mahalech Bafi, if a person is walking in the darkness, Uba Adam Vahadlik Lo Ethane, and someone comes and can, lights a candle for him so he can see where he's going, don't you feel some gratitude that you to the man who gave you a candle? But I do much more than this. I light up the whole celestial skies to give you sunlight and moonlight. I bring up the light of sun for them. Are they not required to feel a sense of gratitude to me? It goes without saying that God is due a sense of gratitude for the benefits he provides us. So that's, you know, al-achas come of a kama. On one hand, if just one is going in the dark and someone gives him a candle, he feels full of gratitude. Well, don't you think that we should feel gratitude to me? That's what it means for el-mi tadam univashver. To whom can you liken me that I should be his equal? Meaning, that's my kindness to you, which is incomparably greater than anything you receive from another human being, just by looking at the stars. Okay. So now the Medrash says, well, wait a minute. Um, I have something else that I can compare you to, not just the stars. And what does it say? Who do you think that the whole stars and the world and the cosmos was created for? Eile told Oshemayim, these are the products of heaven. What is the zechus that they are merit to continue to exist? So now he's going to do a hekesh because he's going to say, Eile told Oshemayim ve'oretz, Eile shemos b'nei Yisrael. The two Eile's that connect the two. Meaning, what is the merit? What's the purpose of Tolda Shemaim Ba'oretz? It turns out that the purpose is Eile Shemos B'nei Israel. It turns out that the purpose is in Israel's merit that God created the world. So the Mi Bara Eile, when it says Su'u Marom, look up words, Enechem, Uru'u, Mi Bara Eile, and look who. God created, he doesn't mean look up into the heavens, but look at the word Eile. <laughs> Beautiful, Drush. Lift up your eyes and look at the word Eile. You want to know why the world was created? It was because of Eile Shmos B'nai Yisrael. Now, the Sfas Emes picks up on that and says the following. Eile told us a Shemaim Sumarachim or Bibra'ile. B'schus mi, b'schus Shmos B'nai Yisrael. Now he carries on. So he flips it around and says, look, you're going to look up at the starry skies. And that is a kind of religion in which God is up there and we're down here. Transcendental divine. But that's not good enough. Remember, we're in the revolution of Hasidus. And in Hasidus, which is a panentheistic, 
idea of the divine. God is not just up there separate from us. He is incarnated in the world. So the Sfasemis is bothered by, how am I going to get him from up there down here? Yes, that's a very nice medrash. Me, Bore, look up into the starry skies and see who created it. His question is, now, how am I going to reveal the koach, the vitality of elokus, of the divine, down here in the Mas Me bara ele means I'm God and I created the universe. The universe is separate from me. It's a created being. The whole of Jewish philosophy of the medieval period was discussing What's the relationship between the divine and the created world? So the Sfasemis is rereading that Medrash. The Medrash was saying the Zechus of Am Yisrael was the purpose of creation. Mi bora Eile, look into the word Eile. Eile tolus and Eilesh most B'nai Yisrael. It was for the sake of Am Yisrael that the world was created. Sfasemis turns it around. And he says, how am I going to bring the Koach of Elokus into the Gashmias? Al Yedei Torah of B'nai Israel. It's through the Eile Shmos B'nai Israel that I'm going to do the Eile told us HaShemayim Ba'oretz. I'm going to bring the Shemayim into the Oretz. Kemoshenema Bereshis, Bishvil HaTorah and Bishvil Yisrael Shinikru Reshis. We have this Kabbalistic concept coming from the Zoya that Yisrael, Kuchibricha, and Torah Achadhu. There is a connection, a mythical connection between the Creator and Am Yisrael and the Torah. And through the agency of Klal Yisrael, I'm actually bringing the Elokus to Masebrachus. And that's what it means. Ru mi bora ele. Look into the sky and see mi bora ele. Sheyeda ish Yisrael ki kola olam kulo tolobo. Now he's turned that posuk even further. It's not me, Bora Eile, who created the Eile told us Hashemayim. It is me, Bora Eile, the world was created just for you because you're the one that's going to bring him into the world. And that's what it means, Ratzah Kodesh Baruch Yisrael. God wanted to be Mezakeh to justify Am Yisrael's existence. How? Through the Torah mitzvahs, it becomes the vehicle by which Klal Yisrael can bring the divine into the Gashmias to be Mekabel the Elokus. It's for that the reason the world stands so now it's a new definition of the word zaku they merited to go out of mitzrayim because they had the zuchus to be the ones to bring the gilakus into the gashmias so to give them that zuchus meaning to give them the merit to be able 
to, through the Torah and mitzvahs, to be able to bring the Elokos into the world. Have a wonderful week. May the inspiration from Shavuos guide us in, in our spiritual struggles in our spiritual world. Have a great week.